Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another edition of That's Entertaining. This week, this month, whatever you're listening to this, I don't know, we are discussing Spider-Man Homecoming. And I could think of no other person that I wanted to talk to this to other than the people that are on the show with me tonight. And that includes the triumphant return, a guest from the past, and a member of the League of Entertaining Gentlemen, Mr. Stephen Waldinger. Stephen, welcome to the show this evening. Hey, great to be back. Thanks for having me, Nate. Uh, it's always a pleasure to have you on, sir. And joining once again is everybody's favorite Hulk, Coach Mo. Hey, buddy, buddy. You know, Mo, I was watching Spider-Man, and there's a guy that has a Hulk mask on in there. And I was like, you know what? They should have called <laughs> Mo up for this part. Oh, man, I would have loved it. I would have been an awesome bad guy. <laughs> I'd have been like, give me a Hulk mask. This is the best thing ever. <laughs> yeah, I'll do it all day. Sign me up. <laughs> uh, well, as like I said, we were discussing Spider-Man Homecoming for this month, the month July 2017. Um, but before we dive in quickly, uh, gentlemen, is there anything that you would like to discuss that you've been entertained by recently? Steve, it's been a long time since you've been on. So why don't you go ahead and tell us anything that you would like to share? Um, you know, I think I want to bring up something... Um, before we started recording, we were kind of talking video games some, and you guys are way more video game uh, heavy than me, but I, so I want to talk to you guys. I want to see if you guys have some pull and get two games made that are like, they're in the, I, I've only, I've seen a little uh, trailer for one, like a demo mode for one, and the other one I only saw a sign for, but if these games could be real games, my life would be so complete. I could just retire forever. The first game is the Full House Tournament Edition Fighter. Um, <laughs> if you, if you uh, go on YouTube, yes. <laughs> type Full House Tournament Fighter or something like that, it, the, the demo pops up. It was like done 8-bit style. And you could pick from all the original Full House characters. Uh, it's just, I want that. That's my number one all-time game that I want to be a real game. But then number two just recently came out. Um, it was a parody from uh, C2E2. You know, at C2E2, they announced the new Marvel vs. Capcom game. Mm-hmm. And I saw, uh, a par- like, I don't know what it was, a meme or what, but I saw something that's, uh, that was a poster for Marvel vs. Costco. And I want that also <laughs> to be a real game. So, so wait, got- who, who are the Pulse Costco heroes? <laughs> Pull some strings and get those made for me, please. <laughs> I mean, I'm a Costco member. Does Bulk that make me prices? one of the people? <laughs> you, you might be on the Costco side then. <laughs> there would be a giant, what do you call those things, forklift that you would <laughs> Get some pallets out there and some uh, huge pallet man. Huge packages of diapers. And... Maybe you'll get the, uh, the suit that Ripley used from Aliens. Yep. <laughs> they they do have those at Costco. I, I think they're the biggest Costco's. They have associates that actually walk around in those mech suits. It's very <laughs> very imposing. Oh man, I got to get my Costco membership back. I, I'm a I'm a Sam's Club guy, but uh, if there's mech suits walking around in Costco, I'm, I'm coming back. It's like you walk in there and they're like, "Hello, welcome to the brother." I mean, uh, Costco. <laughs> Fallout fans will get that joke. That'd be great though. Capcom or not Capcom. Marvel versus Costco. <laughs> <laughs> ah, that's funny. What else is going on, Steve? 
Um, let's see. A lot of the same old. Uh, also, well, if you're only if you haven't heard us on uh, League of Entertaining Gentlemen, check us out there. Um, I've been talking about all my various comic stuff there. Um, we have my friend and I, my comic prof partner, Lady Beaver. We have uh, some. We're doing a couple zine fests coming up here, and we're uh, always available. If you want to be drawn in a comic, uh, hook us up. Uh, contact us, and we'll hook you up. Uh, we do it improv style. My friend will draw it. Draw the comic based on your suggestions uh, without me knowing what she's going to draw. And then I'll, I'll fill in the words without her knowing what I'm going to write. Um, again, working with your um, directions. If you want uh, more information, uh, email us at comicprov at gmail.com. Steve, when are you going to do a League of Entertaining Gentlemen comic prov? Ah, oh, uh, I want that to be coordinated so bad. So we will. I will make sure to get it done at some point. That'd be fantastic. I think I got a tentative idea of, of Mo and Hulk flying around in the uh, in the Hulk copter. I like I like I just playing. Wait, Hulk has a copter? Good. Well, it was a, a way back on uh, one of the early um, League of Entertaining Gentlemen that we did. I remember I talked about how I think it was we talked about Civil War Two. And how, like, Thanos used a gun, and that kind of upset me. And then I joked about this old, like, Spider-Man cartoon, or Spider-Man comic that was, you know, intended for kids. It was, like, from the electric company. And Thanos was the villain of that, and he was flying around in the Thanos copter. <laughs> and I remember most saying that, like, he, he, he pictured himself flying around with Thanos in the Thanos copter. So this way now, Mo and Hulk can fly in the Hulk copter. Nice. That'd be nice. Uh, I love it. What else is going on, buddy? Eh, it's uh, hot in LA right now. I can't, I, I can't complain too much about heat because Mo, you're, you're a Texan, right? Yep. Okay, so yeah, I can't complain too much about heat, but it is rather hot out here right now. <laughs> it's not too bad here in the central, you know, Illinois area. It's 71 degrees right now. It's pretty pleasant. Oh, I am jealous. I'd have a jacket on if it was 71. You would have a jacket on, dude. I'm like, <laughs> yep. I'm still hot, you know. And my, and my long shorts that go past my knee. Are those pants? <laughs> no, I don't wear those. That's gross. They're, they sound like flood pants. They sound like yeah. the pants Millhouse wears. Capris. Yep. Millhouse. No leg prisons on me. I'm leg prison free. Uh, that, that was a funny episode of The Simpsons. Actually, you mentioned that because I now I remember like him walking through. I have these flood pants on, and my my uh, ankles are getting wet, but my pants are dry. <laughs> Everything's coming up Millhouse. <laughs> <Nice>. <laughs> All right. Let's look at it, Mo. What's going on, buddy? Uh, I play games, lots of them. No, you don't. And, you don't play uh, games. You just consume them. <laughs> well, he's, I was so, like, I wasn't. Pl- <laughs> anybody who doesn't know Mo, he's like the Galactus of video games and achievements. He's just like, I need achievements. I am hungry, and he just consumes games as they come out and spits them back out, and there's just nothing left. And he just. <laughs> moves on to the next planet or game and consumes all the achievements and just keeps on going. Who's your silver surfer, Mo? You are. Me? Nah. <laughs> yep. Because you're the one that goes out and goes, look, I have more achieves than you. And then I have to go lay waste to that. <laughs> <laughs> that was a mistake. <laughs> Called me out on Twitter. <laughs> so, Nate, are you actually silver? Um, you know, there are times if the sun is just right. Um that I do not look silver, but I <laughs> I could wear like silver pants if that or shorts. Sorry, Mo. Sorry. There you go. Thank you. <laughs> I was about to get sick. 
Uh, that's about it. Uh, we had a lot of stuff good, and you know, we're, we're going back to school in three weeks, and uh, so Lace and I like now that my knee's been cleared and I can do more. Uh, we built a fire pit, working on the fence, uh, just a little stuff like that, and just hanging out. It's been a good summer. Very cool. Uh, for me, last uh, we met, we talked about Wonder Woman, I believe, right? That was the last. Yes, that's entertaining. We talked about. So between now and then, I've played some video games that I've talked about over on the PSVG podcast, um, but I haven't talked about it over there yet because I just started it yesterday, and it's kind of applicable to today's discussion. Um, the Telltale, I did episode one of the Guardians of the Galaxy, um, of the Telltale series, and for those that are unfamiliar, Guardians of the Galaxy, or sorry, Telltale games are kind of like almost branching choose your own adventure type games that you know you you make decisions you go different paths and different things happen in the story um very they're they won a lot of awards for the walking dead and things like that they've done a ton of different properties but uh i did the first episode of this and i gotta be honest i was not really feeling episode one of um the guardians of the galaxy game i thought it it just maybe it's because i know the characters and i understand the story and i would just I'm more, you know, familiar with the property outside of the game. I just, I wasn't feeling it very much. I mean, it was okay. The storytelling was okay. But I had just recently, you know, completed the other, um, the latest Walking Dead game. And that was a lot better story. But I wasn't familiar with any of the characters or anything. So, I don't know. Have you played it, Mo? Uh, Yeah, both episodes. Um, What's your thoughts on episode one? I really liked episode one as far as them kind of, uh, taking some liberties and starting a new story compared to what we've seen in the movies and what I've read in the comics. Um, the only, my only big issues were, was everything that I've, I've kind of taken in Gamora and star Lord are like a budding relationship and they didn't touch on that. And I just think that's a mistake. Like, I feel like when you have a couple and you don't put them together, it just feels like you're not giving us a full story. Mm-hmm. And so that was one of those things where I was like, this is something that I think you guys are missing. Because if you would have came in with those two in a relationship, that would have made when you're choosing Gamora over, say, Drax in a situation, so much more appealing. Because now Drax is like, oh, you always take her side. You know what I mean? Like you could get some cool stuff out of that. And so I kind of I kind of felt like they neglected it. But the second episode is fantastic for diving into a backstory of one of the characters. I'm not going to give away which because you haven't played it yet, but they do. It's such a great story if you pick that path. Mm-hmm. So I, I will say that. Quick question: Are they basing these on the movies or the uh, comics? Um, from what what I've seen so far, they took a little bit from the movies and a little bit from the comics and a little bit of their own road. That's a good. I like that balance. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's a perfect way to do it. They re, they really did mix it up really well because they 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 threw a nod in the first episode to an older issue of the comics that I only caught because I had just finished reading it maybe a week or two beforehand because I've been with not a lot of new comics coming out for me the last month and a half. I've been going back and reading old storylines and having a good time with that. So they did a good job. Excellent. Hmm. Well, I mean, it's not bad by any means. It's just not what I was expecting of the property so far. It's it just didn't feel, I don't know, it just didn't feel like I wanted it to. 
And that I guess that's that's just my own thought of the matter. But I'd be curious. I, I to would see. say the humor's lacking. Yeah, for sure. Because like, you look at and the. That's, mm-hmm. What was the other one that they did based on Borderlands? Borderlands, the one for that. That one. That had, one's like, fantastic. Yeah, humor. dripping in humor. Really good. So no, I, I hear you there. Yeah. Um, also on the entertaining front, kind of uh, gaming related slash entertainment. I started the Jurassic Park Telltale game that came out like forever ago because <laughs> uh, I was looking for other things to play to kind of get some achievements to kind of battle Mo, but it's not helping anyway. Uh, but I was playing the Telltale Jurassic Park series or game and the first episode I've beaten of that and it's pretty cool because it kind of takes place concurrently with the Jurassic Park movie. So like you get put on the island and they mention, hey, I'm going to go check out the sick dinosaur or... Uh, hey, I gotta go to the boat to help these people or something like that. It's pretty cool. It, like, if you're familiar with the movie and then you play the game, you're like, oh, this is really neat. It, it's just ancillary story that fits in really well. I thought it was pretty cool. I know you played it, Mo. Do you remember it? Um, yeah. I I don't know if I beat it though. I think I only got through the first episode because there comes a part where you have to figure out a puzzle without them telling you it's a puzzle. And I remember being so annoyed with that idea that I just said, no, thank you. Nice. Yeah, early Telltale games weren't as as great, but uh, it was. it's not bad. The first episode was pretty fun. I, I'll go back and eventually finish it, but I thought it was cool the way that they kind of told that story. So, anyway, people aren't here for video games. They can go to the PSVG podcast for that or other places. But, you know, it's been a while since Steve has been on the show on that that's entertaining show proper so you consider this his homecoming in a way because it's been a long time so why don't we go ahead and move into our entertaining thoughts for this month Spider-Man Homecoming. This gentleman, I'm sure, has been on, on your radar for a while because, you know, we thought that it was never going to happen when they, they did the MCU for a long time. It was There was no Spider-Man, right? Sony had Spider-Man locked up in their rights. Uh, they were making the amazing Spider-Man uh, movies to try to, you know, capitalize on the superhero genre. And I don't know what just... With after the Amazing Spider-Man two, things just fell apart with with that franchise. Even though I thought Andrew Garfield did a re- a great job, as, he was a great Spider-Man. Yeah, I thought he did a really good job. Nothing against Tom Holland, but yes, I miss I miss Andrew Garfield. Yeah, and that that ending like wrecked me. Mm-hmm. Although the ending itself, I didn't like. So I I wish for the Amazing Spider-Man they would have stopped. I'm not going to talk about spoilers in that movie. They should have stopped at a certain point. But they brought in, like, an epilogue that I didn't like. You know what I mean? It was, like, a few months later type scenario. They should have just yeah. left it alone, not done that little episode or epilogue. And then I think it would have been a better ending and more enticing to come back. But the fact that they did, it kind of bit off a little bit more than they could chew. And just kind of like, seriously, what are you doing? This doesn't make sense. Um, I think they could have played a lot better if they didn't do that. But I did like Andrew Garfield as Spider-Man. 
I liked uh, Emma Stone was a great Gwen Stacy. That's what I was. Yeah, Emma Stone. I was going to say Watson, but Stone. Yes, yeah. uh, she yeah. was a great Gwen Stacy. I liked her a lot. Their relationship was real. It was. I mean, that was one of the one of the best on screen relationships as far as a Spider Man character. You know, between um, love interests that you've seen between. I guess at that point you could only compare Kirsten Dunst and uh, what's our original Spider Man's name. What's the key? Oh, Toby, Toby yep. yeah. That never really felt real to me. Uh, but the Gwen Stacy and Peter Parker of The Amazing Spider-Man did. In this one, you also get that relationship with a new character. So we'll talk about that a little bit later. But what do you guys... What did you think when you first heard that Spider-Man was going to be part of the Marvel Cinematic Universe as a whole? Steve, did you jump from the rooftops? It was very exciting, yes. Be, um because Spider-Man, no offense to any other Marvel character out there, but Spider-Man is the flagship character of the Marvel Universe. He's like their their main enchilada. So to, it didn't feel, I mean, it, you know, they did a good job building the Marvel um, Cinematic Universe. But without Spider-Man, it wasn't completely complete. And I, I had gotten, I'd worked past it because I just assumed Spider-Man would never make it over. But once they got, you know, they got they worked out that deal with Sony. To, in, to me, it felt like they were completing. It's like, oh hey, we did find that piece of the puzzle we thought we'd never find. Let's finish this, and then ta-da. Hmm. Mm-hmm. No. I'm I'm the wrong person to ask. I didn't like any of the Spider-Man movies except for the last one. The one with the Gwen Stacy and Emma Stone as Gwen oh. Stacy. I was never. Too. You yeah. know, like any of the same Raimi ones. Uh uh-uh. uh yeah. And 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 so remember though, I did not read comics until about three years ago. Ah, four yeah. years ago. Have so you I had seen no, them? I, I've seen them. Like when you go with a group of friends and they're like, "Oh, we're going to Spider Man." Fine, but I didn't like. I remember leaving one of them early because I was so bored. Um. Again, I just am not interested in Spider-Man. And so even throughout the comics, the only Spider-Man that I can tell you that I have any interest in is Miles Morales because he teams up with Hulk. And, like, there's some cool stuff they do. And now that I have this huge collection of comics and I've read some stuff where Peter Parker and Hulk have teamed up a little bit, I'm like, oh, that's cool. But I'm still not a Spider-Man fan. And so that Spider-Man nostalgia is kind of missed on me. So That's fair. And for me, I was super happy. I love Spider-Man. Uh, not as much as Steve, I don't think. I think Steve, you probably still take the cake on, on Spider-Man love. But I, I really like the character a lot. And um, the fact that they were going to bring him into the Marvel Cinematic Universe, that I would see him alongside Iron Man, just made me happy. And I felt like it was just you know something that we never thought would happen. But I'm super glad that they worked it out and we got this movie. So let's talk about this movie, okay? We've, we've been talking for about 25 minutes now. So, Steve, uh, without going too far into the plot or into details, give me your setting that you saw it in, how you know the people were in the, in the crowd, and just your overall reactions to the film in general. No specifics just yet, if possible. Gotcha, gotcha. Um, I wanted to see it. Uh, it's rare that I... I usually... Movies that I want to see, I'll uh, like really want to see. 
I usually, I rarely, I haven't gone to a midnight screening in a while. Um, I, I usually, if it's a movie I really want to see, I'll go opening weekend. Uh, but this movie was a movie that um, I wanted to see as soon as possible. I tried to go Thursday night, um, but my one friend wasn't able to uh, make it. So I was like, oh, um, I'm going Friday morning. So I went, I went on a little hike uh, Friday morning and then went from the hike to the theater. And the theater was uh, full, but it wasn't sold out. It's still able to get some good seats. And um, it was a very enthusiastic crowd. Uh, they were um, fans. And it was, it's like the perfect, it was like kind of the perfect crowd because they were fans, but at the same time, you know, this is some, some crowds, they're, they're uh, cheer too much and uh, you can't hear and stuff. But no, this is a very focused crowd. Uh, lots of fun. They love the movie. There were some claps at the very end. And uh, yeah, I was the perfect setting for me uh, seeing Spider-Man. Was this 2D or 3D that you went and see? Um, I, I, I just saw this in standard. 2D. Okay. 2D. Cool. So that was your setting. It sounds like you, you got the perfect mix of people. It wasn't too full, but it was a Friday morning. So, I mean, yeah, exactly. it was working. like the first show of the day. Yeah. You, I, I'm betting that same theater probably sold that, sell for that, that time of day, it was pretty crowded. Yeah, exactly. Uh, but what about, give me your, as, as you started watching this movie, right, what was the, the first thing that came into your mind with these opening, like, let's do like the opening credits, right? Before we get too far into the film, before we see Spider-Man, I'll say, what was your opening thoughts of, of what you saw? I like that they they found a way to work in the uh, the classic uh, Spider Man. Ah, I love that, dude. My so yeah, that was right off the bat. That was a good way to kick things off. And then I like that um, you uh, you get into it with um, the Vulture, mm-hmm. who's who's never I don't think um, called the Vulture in the movie. Uh, but yeah, you get right into it with Michael Keaton, and uh, on, on the sign that uh, he leaves, he is. It's like I stopped this vulture guy. Ah, okay. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> Good call. But yeah, that was. I, I like that they not only established him, but they also tied some gaps, like you know, filled in some little mini gaps uh, in between things that. Um, you know, like things that have been happening, not just in the movies, but also in the uh, the Netflix shows. Like I'm watching uh, Luke Cage right now, and I just got to a point of Luke Cage where what's happening in Luke Cage tied into the beginning of uh, Spider-Man. So that was re- that was a really cool moment for me, just seeing those sync up like that. Mm-hmm. I, like you, when I was curious because I was. As the opening credits were happening, you saw the Sony logo. You saw the was it the Columbia House logo or whatever it was, um, and then it went right into looking at what the Vulture was doing. And then I was like, "Oh wow, there is no Marvel Cinematic Universe logo on front of this thing," you know. Um, and I was thinking, "Are they just not going to do it? Will it be at the end of the movie?" And then a little bit later, after they have this opening scene, then they give you that Marvel Cinematic banner that they've been using lately Mm -hmm. and when they brought it in they brought in that music right and oh man i loved it i that that part when (laughs) 
and my wife was sitting next to me. And at that point, when, when that music started playing and I saw that Marvel logo and everything, my hair on my arms was literally standing up, and I was just, like, getting goosebumps. And I was just smiling ear to ear. My wife was like, what's going on? Like, you just don't understand. <laughs> it was just, I absolutely loved it. It set the tone perfectly for this film. And from that point on, I was in, I was engaged, and I was just loving everything I saw on the screen. That that opening logo, everything was fantastic. Mo, what did you think? Uh, so I got to see it on Wednesday. Um with a theater of about 15 people. Um, my friend works over for, uh, it's called, it's called the Palladium, but it's like a local Texas chain of movie theaters. And so they did an employee showing, showing, and they had four screens. So basically like you brought, you could bring a friend with you. You got to go in and watch the movie. Um, and it was a little more private, which was kind of cool. Um, so we went in there. And uh, we're watching, and like when I sat down next to my buddy, he's a big Spider-Man fan, and he was like telling me all these things he wanted for the movie. He goes, "What do you want?" And I go, "I want a good love story, like that doesn't have the weird miscommunication crap. I want there to be communication between Iron Man and Spider-Man, and I don't want it to be weird." And he was like, "Okay, that's not a very tough list. Like, yeah, that's all I need." Like, you give me those things, I'm good to go. <laughs> and so he just laughed. And so he was telling me all these things, like, about, like, Spider-Man and Peter Parker. I had, I didn't even know. Um, and it, it was a really fun introduction. Um, I, I honestly don't think I caught the music part you guys are talking about. Like, I'm it, sure it I heard it. It didn't hold any nostalgia to you. See, for me and Steve, yeah. it holds nostalgia. Okay. So I was like, I, I feel like such an idiot. Like, I have no idea what they're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, what, what song are we talking about? Um, but it, it was it was just a really good atmosphere. Um, and it was really fun having that much room to yourself. So, And then the second time I went with Lace was today. Uh, we went, we were going to go to the 1015 showing because I wanted to see it in 3D. Mm-hmm. And we got there at 945. It was sold out. The 10:45 was sold out. The 11:15 was sold out. Wow. Oh, wow. We we ended up going. Um, she went at 12:45. I went for the first 30 minutes, and then I had to go to work. Wow. So it was nuts. That's pretty crazy. And that was yeah. Thursday morning, you said. Yeah. Or Friday no, morning. No, Friday Friday morning. Okay. And I forgot to mention, I saw it Friday. I'm sorry, Thursday night at 7 p.m. The first showing that we had here. Um, to a look to be pretty close to sold out IMAX crowd. And the fact that they had IMAX 2D as the first showing made me very happy because that's my favorite way to watch a movie, just IMAX 2D. Uh, they are having IMAX 3D showings as well. They're kind of alternating the two. And I think it's great. And I'm curious to find out, as an aside, what the numbers are, who decided to go to 3D versus 2D. And really just, I hope that more people chose 2D than 3D, so the studio gets the message that we don't care about 3D anymore, just give us fantastic-looking stuff in the biggest format possible. That's another whole side tangent that I won't get into. <laughs> but um, I I saw it at the theater that I saw Kong in the first time, and the, the sound was awesome again. It was, it was a great experience for me. I thoroughly enjoyed it. I had a lot of friends that came with us. We saw, uh, we set up, it was a big theater. And we sat up about halfway, if not a little bit higher than that. And probably about 20 other people came with me to go see it. I loved this 
the setting, the scene, everybody being there. It was, it, it's kind of the crew that I go see movies with around here. So it's it's kind of nice to have, you know, the people that instantly go with you and have the same kind of interest that, you know, they're able to go experience the joy that you have and just see you be giddy <laughs> during a movie. It's just hilarious. So anyway, um, that was the setting for for us. And I'm curious how our listeners, what what the experience was for them. So let's get into this, guys. Um, I, we've already talked to the point where, where it gets to the Spider-Man music. And then it goes right into a black screen that says, A film by Peter Parker. <laughs> that got a big <laughs> laugh out of the crew. Uh, out of, you know, people in the theater. And, you know, it's kind of funny because... Uh, Mo, you may not be as familiar with this, but, you know, Peter Parker's always been a photographer, right? He's always been a guy that takes pictures and things like that. And this is kind of... You know, he's, he's making a video, like a vlog. Is that what they call him? I don't know if they still call him that or not. But just like YouTube video, pretty much, that he wants to to chronicle his adventure. And never once do I see him with, like, a real camera, but I see him with, like, his iPhone camera or whatever it is all the time. It's probably some Sony camera, honestly. Uh, (laughs) You know, he's seen with that all the time. He's taking video and things like that. I think it was pretty cool. It was a good way to modernize uh, that concept without it feeling, you know, forced. Uh, So I thought it was great, and it 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 was a great introduction or reminder to the events of Civil War, right? The, the 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 sequence before that it reminds you what happens right after the Avengers, um, with the the Chitari stuff being everywhere, and then was it eight years later, was when yeah. Civil War took place. So yeah. it fast forwards those those years, and then you see like him taking the video and Ant Man you know growing up behind him and stuff like that. It's like oh my god, and I'll be right back. Wait, you see him just <laughs> it was fantastic. Steve, what did you think? It was, uh, yeah, that that all sounds on par with what I was thinking. Uh, but yeah, it was so cool that he, I just love seeing that, just that little footage of the, the Civil War fight breaking out mm-hmm. from his perspective. You didn't get that in, the, you know, Captain America Civil War, of course. But yeah, it just, it really brings it home that everything that he was going through during that fight um in, you know, it was encapsulated through his his vlogging of it. He, uh, yeah, and, and just seeing uh, Ant Man become Giant Man through the through the screen that was a little, you know, little cool side uh, special effect that I thought was pretty sweet. Mm-hmm. Mo, what did you think about that little film by Peter Parker? Uh, I thought the montage was great, and I really enjoyed how they tied it into just everything he was experiencing. Mm-hmm. Um, and I thought it brought good humor. Like, that's the thing. Like, when you start a Spider-Man, like, when you started off, starting off with humor, I think is a huge plus for this character. Because that's the same thing that I thought that happened in Ant-Man. Whereas when you start with humor, like, you're sitting there laughing. You're like, yeah, I can connect to this character because I'm laughing with him. Mm-hmm. Instead of giving us some, like, convoluted, oh, he was bitten by a spider and his uncle died and uh, whatever else happens. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So I, I really enjoyed the, the humor. Like, that was probably the part that I enjoyed the most. Yeah. And so let's let's take a little bit what you said there this is an origin film in all you know intense purposes this is the first time that uh, spider-man has a solo film in this in this universe it's a full reboot yeah we saw him in civil war for just a little bit but you didn't get any of his backstory so going into this i thought that we would probably get a montage honestly of him being bit by a spider of his uncle dying and things like that i i think they realize that if they did that the theater 
everybody in the theater would probably bang their heads on the seats because they've seen they've seen this so many times already. Uh huh. They've seen it at least twice, right? Mm-hmm. And I was surprised we didn't get it. Surprised and maybe relieved. Um, because yeah, people in the theaters know his origin story. We don't need to rehash that. I was I was honestly surprised that the the studio didn't do it. Um, so it make, it makes sense to me for that. Now I think that in the future there's probably going to be some sort of callback to something. I know in this movie they were talking about the spider that bit him. He's like the spider's dead, which was interesting. Mm-hmm. Was the spider? We never knew what happened to the spiders before, right? But this one he said it's dead. It was assumed to be dead uh, for in the for the longest time in the comics. It was assumed to be dead. There was this uh, storyline they tried to do where this they questioned was it the radioactivity that gave the uh, Peter the powers, or did the spider uh, actually have powers already and give them to Peter? Was it like a mystical spider? Basically, mm-hmm. they they went that route for a little bit. Um, more recently, there was a development where uh, Peter wasn't in the comics, that Peter wasn't the only one bitten by the spider. Hmm. Interesting. And this character was, I, I read after the fact, uh, this character was actually in the movie. I did not catch her dur- during the movie, though. I had to read about it afterwards. When, when did the thought that the radiation killed the spider pop in? Because that's that's how I always interpreted it. It was kind of just assumed that the radiation okay. killed the spider, like it, it like you know was dying and then it bit Peter and then died. But it was that's never actually in general. the canon. Like yeah, they, exactly. They never actually say that. Okay, that that was the way I I had always interpreted it. So I thought maybe that someone had told me that before, but maybe I was wrong. So no, it makes sense. And speaking of the other two movies that have released where he's gotten bit, you know there was a super spider that they genetically engineered in the Raimi movies that just kind of went away. And then in Amazing Spider-Man, I can't remember what happened to that spider, but I think it just bit him and went away too. But this is the first cinematic one, cinematic Spider-Man movie that they say that the spider is actually dead. So that was interesting. It was kind of a throwaway line, honestly. People might not have caught on it, but the spider is officially dead in this canon universe. Yeah, unless if Peter, unless if Peter just assumed it died. So I think I think in, he might have squished the spider in one of the in I forget if he in I don't not during the Raimi movie I think the Raimi movie the spider got away because I, I thought it might have been a cool way for them to work in a sequel that the that they still had the spider around and that that would have been a nice way to bring venom into the movie as opposed to what they ended up doing in Spider Man three mm-hmm. um, but yeah in this in this uh, Amazing Spider Man I, I I also forget what happened to that spider. I, Maybe it got squished. Maybe it just... Yeah, I can't remember. <laughs> yeah. So that was just kind of a throwaway line, but I want to step back just a little bit to the introduction that we had of Toombs, the Vulture character, right? Michael Keaton. And, you know, he's he's this scavenger kind of guy. He has this, this contract with the city to, to clean up his stuff and to be able to take home or take what he finds pretty much, right? And damage control comes in. This is the first. They were rumored. We picked out on them. They were rumored to have their own show at one point, but yeah. then that fell through. Yeah, because I thought that they were going to do, and it was more of a comedy uh, type thing with damage control. And they made this big deal when they came on into this movie, right? This, you know, we're more experienced. We're kind of blah blah blah. I'm surprised it wasn't Shield, because this was right after the Avengers, and I 
I would think that it would be S.H.I.E.L.D. that would kind of fill this hole. And this is the first cinematic mention of damage control, right? They're kind of retconning damage control into this thing. Yeah. I just kind of assumed that it was all... Because, like, they referenced later on that it was, um, you know, sanctioned. Like, you know, they, they mentioned, oh, peeps, uh, they make the mess and they're getting rich off it. So I just kind of assumed, I made the, the presumption on my own, that uh, S.H.I.E.L.D. was involved in the uh, damage control uh, facilitation in some capacity, well, they, like subcontractors or something. They put a picture up of Tony Stark when they were talking about, you know, the he partners with somebody to, to bring damage control to whatever. So I think that was kind of the assumption, right? Iron Man is an Avenger, so the Avengers are making this mess, and then they're also getting the money to clean it up or whatever it is. <laughs> So, yeah. Did, did anybody else hope they were going to talk about Hercules when they mentioned damage control? Because he huh. didn't he he worked with them for a while, right? I think he did. Yeah, he did some yeah. stuff with them. I remember because I I remember reading the Hercules run because it ends, uh, it takes over for that whole run. Yes, and the Incredible Herc. Yep, yep. So <laughs> I was kind of hoping there was going to be some kind of mention of something, but yeah, it made me sad it yeah. didn't. He'd yeah. be a fun. Maybe who knows? Maybe he'll pop up in Ragnarok. Oh, that'd be sweet. Hmm. Ragnarok's yeah, got a lot of potential. They're sort of doing like contest of champions, I think, in Ragnarok. So maybe he'll be in the tournament. Oh, man, that'd be awesome. <laughs> <laughs> Ultimately, though, damage control is a non-entity in this movie. Like, they use their facility later on, but it doesn't really do anything or have any impact. And I thought, based on this opening scene, that they were going to have more of a more of something to do because... It felt like they were positioning them to be more of something, but they were they were on the screen for maybe maybe five minutes for these characters. They were mentioned a few more, and they set up their purpose well. I mean, they they it's what caused uh, Adrian Toomes to turn evil was that this you know they took his job and livelihood from them, so he was going to steal from them, and he was stealing from them throughout the movie. So they had that that presence in regards to that, you know, they were, their tech was being raided for him to sell on the black market. Oh, true. Uh, in this opening scene with tombs, it really sets up this character, right? He's not a bad guy at the beginning. He's, he's just a guy trying to make his way, trying to do things right. He's got the contract with the city. He's not just down there, you know, stealing stuff. He's doing a job. He bought trucks for this. He brought on a crew. He's doing things the right way. Um, so you can obviously see his perspective when this when this happens. And as far as Marvel villains go, this is one of the best developed villains that they've done in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. What do you think about that, Mo? Um, literally, it led to like the very first jaw-dropping moment I've ever had in a Mar- an MCU movie. Uh, I don't want to jump ahead too far, but uh, it made me like just shocked and awed about this character. Mm -hmm. Like there was never a point where I was mad at the character, like Mm -hmm. during the whole movie. Um, It's just one of those things like, yeah, I, I, it was a character I enjoyed. Like I, I kind of hope they bring him back and maybe in kind of that middle role that you sometimes is so good. It's that guy who's not really a good guy, not really a bad guy, just kind of goes where the money is. Mm -hmm. So I thought that uh, I really enjoyed the character overall though. Yeah. What did you think of him, Steve, in broad strokes? Um, yeah, he was great. It, and what it felt like to me, especially with the movie, you know, opening with him, 
it felt kind of like Marvel was listening to their critics because one of the things Marvel's been knocked on is that I kind of disagree with this, but I also see where people are coming from when they when they say that the Marvel um, the villains haven't been the most the great the most greatest or the flesh most fleshed out. Uh, there's been a few exceptions, but I do see their point in, from various movies. So I think they made it a point that they're going to make. Um, uh, Adrian Toomes, a you know a well well rounded character, and they they did a good job. They brought in a great actor to play him, and uh, yeah, mm-hmm. it, uh, he hit it out of the park. Yeah, Michael Keaton in this role was fantastic, right? Like I going in, I know Michael Keaton's a great actor, but he really sells this role. He he, you lose who it is, you lose that this is Michael Keaton you're watching. And that just gives a credit to how, how great his acting was in this movie. I thought, as far as acting goes, good lord, he did a fantastic job. And maybe, I mean, I'm not ready to say this just yet, but he may be among, if not the best cinematic villain so far in an origin movie. I don't know. He's definitely up there. For, for, Mar- for Marvel? For Marvel, yeah. Okay, okay. Because I was like, uh, okay. For Marvel, yeah, I could go with that. Yeah, for Marvel. I get behind what you're saying. <laughs> it was also a slight, uh, kind of a slightly meta moment to see him uh, playing a bird-themed uh, superhero mm-hmm. character, mm-hmm. considering that he you know, was in the Birdman movie. And he was Batman. Of course, yes. I was really hoping he'd like have some kind of like Batman pose pop up There somewhere. was. Did you see it? Uh-uh. I must have missed that. Okay, so this is later on in the movie when he's battling him. Um, the vulture is up in the moon and he's got this like silhouette of the moon and he's got like a, he's got his wings spread out. So it kind of could, you know, be kind of like the Batman symbol. And in Batman 89, was it 89? I think it was. They did a scene where the Batwing went up and it was in front of the moon and it came back down. So I, I consider that like a callback. Okay. Did you see that, Steve? Did you notice it? I, de- I definitely noticed, like, thinking about the wingspan, It's it was definitely there. I don't specifically think I saw it, but that gives me an excuse to go see the movie again and look for it. That's right. <laughs> any <laughs> any reason to go see it again, right? Exactly. <laughs> but as far as this villain goes, I thought that all on all points, he was great. He's not... So you look at the Marvel villains to date, you know... And I think probably some of some of the most of them are just they want to destroy the world, they want to destroy the galaxy, whatever. But this is a guy who's trying to get by, who's trying to raise his family, trying to pay things off. He doesn't necessarily want to hurt people, and like he doesn't, he accidentally kills one of his guys, right? He thought it was a different weapon, and it wasn't, and he accidentally kills a guy. And you can kind of tell that he, at that point, he still didn't want to do anybody any harm. He was that, just stealing. That was played so well. <laughs> yeah. So he was just... He didn't want to do it. He, he felt bad about it, but, but at the, he didn't want to do it. But at the same time, he didn't particularly care that he did it. Mm-hmm. It was a great juxtaposition. It's like, what's done is done at that point, right? Mm-hmm. So, but yeah, as far as villains go, really well done. I Who would have thought that we would care about the Vulture and think he's a great villain, you know? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Marvel stickers would think so because I was at um, a, a store, a sticker store, not too long ago, and I saw I saw this pack of uh, Spider-Man stickers. Looking at the stickers, this was a good month. I mean, these weren't even these were based on like just 
general Spider-Man um, stickers, maybe like the cartoon series they were loosely basing it on, if anything, like the 90s cartoon series. But after Spider-Man, the Vulture had the second most stickers in there. I think I hmm. joked on social media. It's like, oh, why are there so many Vulture stickers? I guess kids love flying old people. <laughs> That's right. And the Vulture character back in, you know, from what we know of him, he was an old guy. He was an old guy oh, trying yeah. to, you know, get younger. Like that was his whole thing, right? Well, at first, he really, for the most, he, he just wanted money. He just wanted, uh, he felt wronged by the world and he just wanted, you know, a nice score. And, uh, to retire with basically was his original presentation over the years. He would try and like, he would try slash succeed in, um, uh, de aging himself and becoming young again, but then he'd end up reverting back to the old, uh, old coot. We all know and love. Wasn't he the one that, uh, in one of the Spider-Man cartoons, de-aged himself so far that he became a baby. Ah, I can't recall that, but that sounds like something that would definitely happen on the cartoon. So we're going to go with yes. I thought that it was him, actually, just now thinking of this, and he was, like, still able to talk, and the way he talked, it was just hilarious coming from a baby. (laughs) (laughs) It was funny. Um, But, yeah, so Vulture, who would have thought he was a great villain, and he's, he's, I don't know if it's just the writing of the character or the acting of Michael Keaton or just the situation they present about him. Um, that makes him really kind of relatable, and I thought that I think that that's the the biggest key, right, for making an effective villain, is showing them how they become the villain, and how relatable they could be to any person in any situation, right? He's just trying to make his his way in the universe, right? Uh, that that's kind of the the old saying. So, anyway, let's move on a little bit. We haven't even talked about Tom Holland in this movie. Tom Holland, Spider Man. Mo, what did you think of Tom Holland's portrayal of Spider-Man slash Peter Parker? Uh, I don't have a problem with how he did. It was more how he was written that kind of brought up some quarrels in me. Uh, but I thought he did a great job acting it out. Um, he brought humor when he needed to. He brought remorse when he was supposed to. Um, there was never a point where I was like, uh, you probably shouldn't be doing this. Um, where... I originally did feel that with Toby. Like I was like, um, I'm sorry, dude. Like you're just not, you're not Peter Parker in what I, I've been told. And so, yeah, he was good. And he was, he pulled off an effective high schooler, 15 year old high schooler. I don't know how old Tom Holland is. I think he might be 19. Maybe. Mm-hmm. I think, yeah, 19 or 20. Or I think when they filmed, I think they said he was 19 or something like that. Okay. And then, yeah, I think he's, I think he, Personally, I think he did a great job. Um, we've already talked about you know Andrew Garfield and how we liked him as a Spider-Man. I think he, Andrew Garfield was a good Spider-Man, too. But Tom Holland is growing on me quite a bit, just with, obviously, the, the high school scenario, and he looked like he belonged in high school. The whole high school cast looked like they belonged in high school. It wasn't, it wasn't like a That's Tobey Maguire scenario, TV, right? So kudos to them. Yeah. Uh, and I think that as far as his portrayal goes... His little quips and stuff like that when he like when he went and saw the guys or tried to stop the guys that were wearing the Avengers masks, you know he was talking. He was he had he had the dialect down for you know a guy from a kid from Queens. He had, I thought he portrayed it really well. Like I got some some shades of different iterations of Spider Man a little bit. There were even some Spidey things that I think jumped out at me a couple times. You know just the way that the character was portrayed and maybe even written, and 
you know, one of the things that comes out to me is, like, when he's running through the golf course and things like that, I just, you know, he's like, oh, man, this sucks. I, I <laughs> loved it because... That was I, the classic Parker luck on display. Yeah, exactly. I feel like, you know, he nails a lot of the, the aspects of the character so well, and that's just something that we haven't seen on screen. And, you know, he, he's got everything in my, in my that I'm looking for for a Spider-Man character. He kind of, he, he hits on each thing. The one thing... And I guess we can talk about this a little bit after uh, I get your thoughts on him, Steve, is Spider-Sense. Kind of lacking in this movie. But mm, maybe yes. that's because he's a growing hero. Um, but, Steve, what did you think about Tom Holland's portrayal? I think, yeah, he was a very... Uh, he was probably the... Definitely the best, well, overall Spider-Man. I think I still like Andrew Garfield's Spider-Man from uh, Amazing Spider-Man 2. The, as, just from a pure Spider-Man perspective, because that seemed like, um, I mean, definitely uh, Tom Holland's Spider-Man, they, they have very similar qualities. I just remember coming out of Amazing Spider-Man 2 saying, I love this Spider-Man. Uh, but yeah, Tom Holland, he, he captures Peter Parker perfectly. I don't, Garfield, to me, didn't quite capture Peter Parker as well. And... Uh, Toby was solid, but um, yeah, Tom, uh, Tom Holland had the perfect, uh, perfect balance going on. He he brought uh, so much zest to both uh, Peter and Spider Man, and uh, it's paid off so much that he looks actually looks like a high school kid. That's that's what really sold it for me too. Go even going back to uh, Civil War, mm -hmm. just seeing how you know he was an actual kid being thrown into this battle, and yeah. He just really, even in that movie and in this movie, he captured that aspe that aspect of Spider-Man so perfectly. Mm -hmm. So yeah, he gets a tip of my hat that I'm not currently wearing. But when I put on a hat, I'm going to tip it to him. Ah, nice. <laughs> so let's, let's talk about a little bit the, the, the character or writing of the Spider-Man hero. Uh, I mentioned the Spider-Sense was kind of lacking. And in, in all the other Spider-Man movies, there's been pretty clear Spider-Sense. Do you think, and I kind of attribute it to maybe he hasn't quite honed that yet or doesn't really, it didn't make it, it wasn't made known that he has spider sense. Let's just put it that way. And that's, that's pretty, that's a pretty basic attribute to Spider-Man, wouldn't you say, Steve? Oh yeah, definitely. I think they're choosing not to go with it at all. Like it's a non-existent power to him in this, in this uh, universe, which as a traditionalist, I don't like it. I, I get why they're doing it though, because if he had the spider if he had the spider sense in this movie, he so many things that happened in this movie wouldn't have happened because of this of, of his spider sense. So from that from from that perspective, I get why they they didn't go with it, and I, I respect it. I still think they could have given it to him, but it could have been something where he was learning how to deal with it because like he pretty in like the other uh, incarnations, he basically figures it out right away. Oh, okay. I, I know when danger's coming. It could have been like, uh, cause the, his spider sense in the comics, depending on the uh, severity of the danger, it can give him like a massive headache. Uh, like for example, he, he said like when secret, the first Marvel superhero secret wars happened when he ultimately got sucked to the, uh, the Beyonder world and got the uh, symbiote. When that first appeared, his he said his brain almost exploded from like the 
you know, from his spider sense. So they could have messed around. They could have gotten what they wanted out of the movie with him. Um, not, you know, it's like st- st- stuff. He still could have been snuck up on because like this buzzing in his head was hurting it too much that he couldn't focus on what was going on or something like that. And then he could start to learn how to, you know, work with his spider sense along the way. I wish it was there. I get why it wasn't. And I've, I've learned to deal with it. <laughs> nice. Mo, any thoughts of the spider sense or lack thereof? Um, I I didn't even notice it was missing. I just was like, oh, his fast reactions would equal spider sense in my book. And he um, did have fast reactions. That's that's true. Like when the guy is about to pull the trigger on him with the alien tech mm-hmm. weapon, uh, he was able to maneuver it and get away. To me, that I I took that as a reflection of his spider sense just being at maybe the infantile stage. Of again, you got to remember, like this is a new superhero. We're talking maybe less than a year with his powers. Mm-hmm. So that's that's how I interpreted it. Right, and we know that he's just kind of he's kind of brute forcing his way into this character. Right, he's still a kid. He's he was fourteen when um, was it? I think he said he was fourteen when he went to to Germany, and it was probably shortly thereafter or shortly before that, the, he got bit by the spider and started doing the stuff that attracted Tony's attention. So it may be that he's still just trying to, to understand everything and still hasn't honed his abilities yet because we know when he gets the suit in, in here, he hasn't completed these, <laughs> uh, the training wheels protocol or <laughs> uh, what do you call it? Baby monitor. It was, it was called training wheels. Yeah. So the, the training wheels protocol, he just kind of overrode that, right? So he didn't actually train. And that could be a thing, too, is, like, if he trains and hones himself and he kind of discovers what he can do and his abilities that he actually has, then that'd be one thing, right? Because he has, at this point, super strength, but, you know, he, he can he has strength that he doesn't even realize because at one point in this movie, he's got to summon more strength to, to do an amazing feat, right? That was, yeah, based on a very classic Spider-Man scene. Right. One of the ultimate great Spider-Man scenes. From a uh, from the early comics, yeah, it's. I, I thought that, you know, that scene is telling. Still, he's coming of age. He hasn't. He's not a pro yet, and that's. I think that's one thing that Tony is trying to instill in him that he wasn't a pro. Um, and he'll he'll get there eventually, but he needs to kind of learn a little bit more first. And he. Okay, so let's get into this, right? Tony Stark was in this movie. Iron Man was in this movie. Uh, he's that kind of that mentor role. And, you know, he's saying, well, you thought I was good enough to bring to to Civil War, we'll call it just Civil War, to Germany. <laughs> and he's like, well, it was a calculated thing, right? Because if Cap would have wanted to knock you out, he would have. You know, because he, I think... Oh, yeah, because he was saying he went toe-to-toe with Captain America. Right. And he was like, yeah, it, that was because Cap wasn't wanting to hurt you, pretty much. And I think that that could be said of any of the characters because, you know, during Civil War, they were like, you're pulling your punches. Nobody's really trying to do anything. And when, when somebody did get hurt, it was a really big deal. Uh, talking about Rhodey. So. That's know, why Hulk wasn't in that movie. That's exactly why Hulk wasn't. Or <laughs> Thor, right? Because they just wrecked everybody. And yeah, I thought it was cause... funny, too, in this in this movie when he was like, oh, hey, Thor and Hulk. It's fine. I'm glad, glad I can finally meet you guys. um but yeah so it's definitely worth noting that he's still learning and you know even though i will we'll get to that later he's still learning so mo you you mentioned that he was 
you know, in the infantile stage and things like that, do you think, like, maybe Spider-Man 2 is when they might introduce more of these powers? Or how do you think, Mo, that they might handle that? Um, for the powers to grow, I think the relationship has to grow, and that's going to come with him and MJ. Um, I, and, I, and again, I'm just saying this because, like, through my personal experience in, in um, sports, my greatest levels of achievement happened because I had an awesome support group. And that comes with people you love and care about. And for me, that was Lacey, my wife. Um, and so when you have somebody in that special connection that's building you up and there's that trust and that strength, that's when things kind of evolve. And I'm really hoping they do that with the MJ character that they put in there. So that would be like if, I, if I'm speculating on it, I would love it if she became Spider-Woman because Mer- she does become Spider- MJ becomes Spider-Woman in... Is it the Exiles? Right. There's there's an alternate universe comic going on right now called Renew Your Vows, and she she has spider powers in that. Yeah, so I would love it if somehow those two became a duo. Um, I think the reason that the original Spider-Man movies failed so hard was because there was never there was always the Spider-Man trope of him not being where he's supposed to be, where him falling short in life, where him not being successful. And I would love it if in this run, instead of doing that, they actually built up a really good support team with them and that he did the one thing that Spider-Man evidently can't do, which is communicate. So he has his awesome friend, Ned. He's got MJ. He's got uh, anime. They build a support group and they go out and he's got a team behind him helping him be Peter Parker and Spider-Man. And so that's what I'm hoping to see, because I I feel like the the powers will evolve when he has a safety net around him to help him grow up and to help him mature. And so I think that that trope of him being lost and not being able to do things because he's always late because he's always not where he's supposed to be. I think they need to get rid of that. And kind of, that was the one thing that bummed me out about this movie was I was like, Oh, a Spider-Man who's not on time and skipping on his friends. (laughs) I haven't seen that before. Well, it wasn't necessarily because he was late. It was because he was wanting to be Spider-Man. And you can you could probably relate that to, you know, a 14-year-old kid, right? Where you know, oh, I I got something that I could do here, but I want to I want to do this because of whatever reason, right? Yeah, I mean, I, again, I don't disagree. It's just it's Spider-Man being late to stuff is kind of played out. Mm-hmm. I'd love to see a Spider-Man with a support system around him. Well, he wasn't late to things here. He just flat, flat out missed them. Yeah, I just he, skipped he them. So I didn't do them. Yeah. Oh, I was thinking in the other movies, that's a big thing. That oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Sorry, I was combining that storyline. Gotcha. With, this is the Spider-Man we've seen. Spider-Man's late. Okay. <laughs> seen it before. Mm-hmm. Oh, and you killed the uncle. Yep. Know that one. <laughs> oh, he can't tell the girl he likes her. Cool. We've been there before. I actually enjoyed the first relationship with Liz because he just said, hey, I like you. I know. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know what I mean? Like it was him making an attempt instead of him sitting from afar. Like in the beginning of the movie, I'm not gonna lie, I was like, oh, we've seen this Spider-Man before. Too scared to take a chance, even though you're a superhero, you can't tell a girl you have feelings. He's so still that was 14. Really cool for me. The 15. Mm-hmm. Uh, again, I, I'm around 14 and 15 year olds daily. They have no problem telling people how they feel, whatsoever. I, I've, I've well, I have a question. How yeah. accurate was the school presentation? You know, where um, when the for, news <laughs> for an excelled school, um, it, the tech was pretty good uh, for the classroom management. 
Um, during a detention, I've, I've been teaching for, for eight years now. I've never once seen a teacher play a movie and not focus on the kids. And, and again, we're looking at uh, that's 200 days a year times eight. So that's 1,600 days that I've worked. I've never once seen a teacher do it. And so that trope kind of like went over my head. And as a physical education teacher, I've never played a video saying, oh, well, watch this so you learn how to do our exercises. No, we go to work and do our thing. So I kind of found that, um, I, I don't want to say appalling, disgruntling, maybe, that they thought that was the way they wanted to, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Portray. For, yeah, thank you, portray schools. Um, but the actual classroom stuff. Uh, I know for a fact most of the teachers, especially in the college prep classes, yeah, they're going to let you be on your laptop because you're you're type faster than you write by hand. Um, so that was like one of those moments where I was like, oh nope, I, I've I've caught kids on YouTube when they're supposed to be typing, so I know that. But um, no, otherwise it was it was it was pretty good. Uh, I've never seen a school that lets two men without the yeah. stuff just walk in yeah that kind of was like evidently this is the worst school ever security wise because mm-hmm. uh, you've got to get through four sets of doors to get into our building on any side and there's cameras there so you can't just walk in with your backpack uh especially if it's two adult men mm-hmm. so but otherwise fine yeah that that scene that you talked about with the two guys walking into school like that's never going to be able to happen anywhere <laughs> yeah it's, it, it that was a little unfortunate that they had to go that route yeah, but you uh, want to give a quick a shout out to the gym teacher in the movie Hannibal Burris. He's a very funny comedian, and uh, his uh, small scenes I thought were just super funny. Yeah, like I liked how he pointed out that after they played the Captain America video in the gym class, he's like, "Yeah, I don't even know if we're supposed to be showing this because I think he's wanted now." But whatever. Uh-huh. <laughs> I was going to ask Mo, have you ever showed a uh, a video of a war criminal before? Uh, no, no, I've never shown a video in PE yet. I don't plan on it. <laughs> nice. <laughs> Until they come out with Hulk videos, then I'll think about that. I'm pretty sure, Mo, you will probably play a Hulk video. If it has anything to do with physical education, you'll find a way to work it in. <laughs> It'll be in the background while we're working out. Nice. So, obviously, let, let's talk about that a little bit before we talk about Tony Stark a little more. Um, Captain America was kind of in this movie. <laughs> he, uh, they did the little videos, you know, take it from me, your body's changing. I know about change, um, and you know the whole detention <laughs> thing. So he takes the the chair, sits down backwards, and talks to him about now well, you know what you've done. <laughs> it's just they get like what five or six of these different videos that they kind of do throughout the the, the movie, and I love it. Perfect comic relief. Mm-hmm. A perfect little way to get. Uh, Chris Evans in the movie. Uh, yeah, it was just a lot of fun. Uh-huh. And I wasn't expecting to see any Captain America in this movie. And when I first saw it, I was like, that's great. I mean, it's almost like the perfect cameo, in a way. Mo, what did you think about a couple. I think he was in... Uh, was he, I was, he was in Thor 2, I believe. As, as all, It wasn't officially him. It was Loki pretending to be him. Right. But still, yeah, Chris Evans was briefly in Thor 2. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was patiently waiting for more superhero references. So that... that uh. I liked it. Yeah. Um, and I'll, we'll go ahead and talk about it now because at the very end of the credits, there's another one from Captain America, right? <laughs> Talking about patience. Yep. <laughs> I thought it was fantastic. Like, every every video that they did, I was I was, I was was sucked in. I mean, there were so many callbacks to the rest of the MCU in this movie that it was oh, so good. It was, it was simultaneously on its own, a standalone movie, and can function as such, but is part of this wider world and 
it helps to build the world and consume what's at, what else is happening in the world too. It doesn't ignore that Captain America, that Hulk, all these other people exist. But at the same time, it's not focused on any of them. It's focused on Peter, on this high school kid trying to find his own way to be a hero. I love that. Anyway. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's the way a solo movie should be. You, yeah. you exist in this world, but you know it's about you. <laughs> exactly. So, Tony Stark was in this movie, obviously. And he was on it, in it more so, and more directly than Captain America. Uh, so I thought that was uh, really well done. There. So there was one thing that was interesting, right? In the, I think it was the trailer and even one of the, the posters, it showed uh, Peter Parker, not Peter Parker, Spider-Man and Iron Man, f- like, going through the streets of Manhattan or something like that. Like, in they were flying in together. And that, that seems, was not in this movie. Yeah, they do, that's common. They'll show, they'll show a scene in the trailers, but then the scene ends up getting cut from the movie. Yeah, but I wanted that scene in the movie. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'm sure it's on the cutting room floor somewhere for some reason, right? But... It just didn't I make sense. I feel like it was meant in. to be at the at the very end. Maybe, but I think the way they ended it was better. But I I think that they used Iron Man very well in this movie. He it wasn't Iron Man and Spider Man, right? Kind of like uh, Avengers could be Iron Man and friends or something like that. Mm-hmm. But this was very much you know he was the mentor role and he was not in this movie too much. He was just about right. His influence was definitely very well felt with the the provision of the suit and the suit's AI, Karen. Steve, can you tell me what what does the name Karen or anything, what does that mean to Spider-Man in the universe? To my knowledge, there it's no, nothing. <laughs> okay. I can't there's there's no character in in the Spider-Man world named Karen that I could think of. Um, I think it was just a name they chose. Uh, maybe it means something to Iron Man, but I, I couldn't place it to any Spider-Man existing character. Okay. Uh, I can go on more about uh, some of the names they chose if, 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 if you want, though, for the sure. characters. Go ahead. Um, that, um, if I want to get nitpicky about the movie, that's one of the things that slightly upset me was that um, they took some of the Spider-Man... Uh, supporting cast characters and just kind of like randomly threw them out there. Like um, Ned was, he felt like uh, Genki from the Miles Morales Spider-Man to me. Um, Like he he was a great character. Ned was awesome. I just wish they wouldn't have named him Ned because what Ned, Ned, there's a, Ned Beatty is a supporting Spider-Man character. He uh, was married to Betty Brant, who they show, and I'll, I'll get up to her in a second. Um, but he, besides being married to Betty Brant, he was also, briefly, he was thought to be the Hobgoblin, who um, was a Spider, uh, Spider-Man villain. Uh, he was cleared of that, but yeah. So Ned Lee, oh, I'm sorry, not Ned Beatty. Ned Beatty's an actor. Ned Leeds, I'm so sorry about that. Ned Leeds was a supporting Spider-Man character who, when they you throw the name Ned out there, that's like, oh, is, is this supposed to be Ned Leeds? Um, okay. And then Betty Brant, they throw her in there in high school. She's not a redhead. She's a redhead in the comics. Do they have something against redheads? Because Mary Jane's not a redhead anymore. It's like, this movie cannot have any redheads. Um, the one that messed with me was uh, Liz Allen's character. 
Yes, she wasn't technically even Liz Allen because she was. But she was supposed. Yeah, yeah we have, spoiler alert. We've been spoiling the whole movie, um, yeah. but yeah, spoiler alert. She was Liz Toomes. That I was like, wait, is this who I think it's supposed to be? <laughs> I, I I did not think there was going to be a. Uh, oh my god, she's connected to two different bad guys though. It's the Green Goblin. And there's someone else that she was connected to. She was um, her brother-in-law, or she, yeah, I think she, uh, or her, her brother was the Molten Man. Yeah, Molten Man. Molten Man was the other one. I just looked it up. So that was one that kind of threw me for a loop. I was like, did you just waste this character? <laughs> like, and then I wasn't a um, Flash. He was okay. Um, did you hear? Did you guys hear about the controversy about this? That he, the the actor, was getting death threats. Um, because he wasn't the because he was Flash Thompson, and no. that upset a lot of people. Yeah, people. Why, was he, why would he get death threats? Because I guess I, I didn't. I just saw, I saw the headline, but I, I think it, it it caught it upset a bunch of people because he wasn't the, the traditional Flash Thompson. Nothing about so this what? movie was traditional. Yeah, Aunt May yeah, exactly. was was a young younger um, version and everything. No, but I think I think it's because. You know, people tend to get worked up about things way at at times way more than they should. So I think I, people got upset because he wasn't the the jock bully that he you know that he's traditionally known as. He was more of a he was a, a bully. <laughs> yeah, he was a bully, but he was more of like a it was the uh, he was involved in a lot of stuff Peter did. Like he was like on the the. Um, what, what were they, the uh, quiz team that they were on? He was like the alternate until, you know, Peter came back to the team and stuff like that. So I think that was part of what what the what upset people, that it wasn't the tr- traditional Flash Thompson. Um, I think just go with another, I mean, they shouldn't, uh, they didn't cave into the, to the, the stupid idiots that were doing the death threat. So that's always a good thing. Um, Do you yeah. think he's going to become Venom? Mm, well, the official answer I have for that is no, because right, Sony's still doing Venom stuff with their own licensing things, and they, wow. they keep going back and forth on whether they're going to be... Um, it, whether the Venom stuff that Sony's doing is, is part of the Marvel Cinematic Universe or not. Mm-hmm. Um, but also, in a very cool move... Ta- uh, Tom Hardy is playing Venom. Oh, okay. So that's that should be awesome. But yeah, I think I finished my my tirade on my little mini tirade on. They could have just given some characters different names um, instead of just randomly assigning uh, supporting characters to them. So I think before the little tirade, we were talking about yeah. Tony Stark being in the movie yes. as, as a mentor character. Uh, did you mention? Oh. Did you talk about that at all, Steve? What, I forget how. Oh, because you asked about the name Karen, and uh-huh. that's what got me sidetracked. But yeah, um, I thought that they handled Tony Stark in the movie very well. They didn't overuse him, mm-hmm. which is a tempting thing. You know, you're, you're, it was a tempting thing to do. Um, he like they've used Stark well in the movies because, like in Civil War, he was um, both the kind, not the villain, but I mean. He, he was the opposition of Cap, which theoretically in a Captain America movie makes you the villain. But he is also, you know, a strong supporting character in that movie. And, you know, he pulled off that 
duality pretty well. And in here, he um, he he he's kind of the Uncle Ben of the movie, and um, in a sense, in regards to um, inspiring Spider Man, and um, yeah, they didn't they just they struck the perfect uh, use of your Iron Man, uh, bring him in in key moments, but don't don't overuse him. You know, don't don't have Spider Man and Iron Man team up to take down the vulture you know mm-hmm. they uh yeah so they uh they they did well with their iron man usage mo uh i loved the iron man stuff because it showed the connection that iron man had um him referencing the check-in stuff that uh spider-man was sending to happy what annoyed me was the fact that happy wasn't communicating like when you remember in the, that first Iron Man movie, how happy as a handler was helping and doing this, or how when he fi- when uh, Tony became Iron Man and he had you know handlers who were again hands on helping, I was really disgruntled with the fact that Happy wasn't responding to him. Like I felt like that could have been a really good way to kind of introduce, um, kind of how the the Avengers should be working. If you're really going to nurture this young superhero. Happy should be responding to text messages and should be like, hey, uh, we need to see you at Stark Tower for training or we need to see you here for doing this. Like the whole training wells thing was I didn't enjoy that part because there was no one training him. So you're just like, oh, go learn on your own. That's not good teaching. And so that kind of bugged me. I didn't mind the Iron Man stuff. I did mind the happy stuff. I think. I'm okay with part of like I'm, I agree with you in some parts and um, a little different on others. I think if um, I don't think the whole point of him being the friendly neighborhood Spider-Man to, in my mind was that he was supposed, you know, just doing the doing the stuff for the little people at the same time, you know, learn learning learning the ropes that way. Um, if they brought him in for training, it would be a whole other thing, I think. And um, I think he he was supposed to learn on his own doing the neighborhood stuff and then over time they'd bring him in for the official training mm-hmm. what did I, I do think though that happy should have been more responsive i think the only reason he wasn't because if he would have responded earlier in the movie the movie would have been a lot shorter uh, hey yeah. there's guys okay. with these advanced weapons oh there is let me call the avengers end of movie <laughs> mm-hmm. or call shield or damage controller whoever <laughs> Now, I thought that it was, you know, very telling, too, Spider-Man and the relationship that he had with Iron Man. It was very, you know, mentor. You kind of mentioned Uncle Ben, kind of. So there's never been a mention of Uncle Ben in this Marvel Cinematic Universe yet. We don't even know if he exists. Um, Exactly. To the point where I'm wondering if, like, Uncle Ben ran out on Aunt May in this this universe. Yeah, we we don't know. I mean, he's he's not that that character yet. He went to go get a pack of cigarettes and never (laughs) came back. Yeah. Uh, who who would leave Marissa Tomei? I mean, it's just exactly. Um, <laughs> but it's one of those one of those things where he is definitely the mentor of Spider Man in this movie. So much so that you know when he comes and helps him on the or saves the boat rather he does he saves the boat right. Uh, Peter doesn't really understand what he's doing. Vulture calls that out. He's like you you're messing stuff you don't understand, and then the boat you know cracks in half. And he he does an admirable job trying to save this boat. But then Iron Man has to come in and save it, right? He puts it together, he mm-hmm. builds it back up, and it's all done. And he's just... That scene and the, hey there, Spider-Man, like the way he says it, <laughs> and the fact that he doesn't talk to him at all until, you know, it's time to come down and reprimand you, right? It's just, 
ah, that there was a lot of weight to that scene, even though, you know, there it may not have come across that way for everybody, but to me, you know, he wasn't talking. He was just he was doing. He was fixing this mess, and then he had to, you know, reprimand or discipline after. I I the that particular scene just felt so real and so good to me. Uh, just the whole relationship was was right there. Um, but yeah, and he, before that, he was you know he was trying to compliment him. He was like, hey, you know, good job on whatever this and that. And you know, Peter was doing something he wasn't supposed to be doing, and he hung up on him. And he, Iron Man was trying to reach out, right? Because he's like, you know, my dad was never really like this. I'm trying to make amends. He, to your point, Mo, he was trying to to do it, right? It, but I I kind of disagree with that because if he was trying to, he would have said, hey. We let the FBI know about what you told us. Not, don't worry about it. That's like that's not reaching out to somebody. That's you know, there was no communication, and that scene actually kind of aggravated me because all he had to say was, "Hey, I've contacted the FBI about that thing you told us about. Great job. Move on." Or we're we're handling it. Not yeah, that, hey, that, don't that worry was about bad it. communication for sure. Yeah, and that, Again, that, that, that drove it, me bananas. Part of it was. I could see, it would make sense to me that Tony Stark wouldn't tell Spider-Man, but at the same point, I also think it kind of falls into uh, well, if he tells him that that's happening, you know, it's a it's a logical thing, and it makes the yeah. movie shorter. It, so it makes sense. <laughs> but you don't, you know, he's he's tracking Spider-Man, right? He's got the tracer in him, so he knows that he's not going to interfere. He's out doing something else. He he's not expecting him to be there, and he says we'll take care of it. That's kind of a. A parent doesn't always explain things well to their kids, right? Especially a new parent. Um, and that could be the mentor that he's 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 still new in this mentorship. Like, you know, mentioned, his dad and him didn't have the best relationship. He's trying to figure out a way to to be a mentor or a father figure for this kid that he he may not know. The Iron Man's been around, sure he's he's older, sure, but he's he is not a mature individual by mm-hmm. any means. Um so to your point, Mo, it, it'll be difficult for him to to know how to talk to this kid. Because who raised him, pretty much? He raised himself. He's like, well, he'll just put him in the same kind of path that I came on, but you know, try to give him pointers here and there. But he's also out in Dubai or wherever doing his own thing. And it, it'd be difficult. You look at it from both points, right? The kid, he's... He's a 15-year-old kid. He thinks he knows the world. He's, he's got this power. He wants to use it. He thinks he can stop everything. And he ends up, by his actions, breaking a, a boat in half. And, you know, other things that he just... He doesn't understand everything and how it's going yet. He doesn't understand that that thing that his buddy's carrying around is a bomb. That if when it goes through a metal detector, it'll blow up. And, you know, his friends could die. He doesn't understand all these things. He doesn't know yet. But... It's a learning on, I think, both on Peter's side and on Tony's side to, to understand mm-hmm. how to make this work. And that's what came through to me. Yeah, I, I agree. That was that was it was well done, too. Yeah, that, that's something you don't always see in these movies is the characters making mistakes. And especially it makes perfect sense that um, an inexperienced Spider-Man would be making these mistakes. Right. And I mean, even Iron Man, even though he's been around for for years as Iron Man, he's never raised a kid. Right? Yeah, that's true. So the closest he came was in Iron Man 3 when he worked with that kid. But they didn't that wasn't like a mentorship thing. That was kind of they were partners. 
Yeah, they were just kind of like, you know, acquaintances, kind of buddy-buddy towards the end, but that's about it. Yeah. This Spider-Man, you know, is Spider-Man because of Tony in this universe. He has that suit because of Tony. He was brought into the main screen because of Tony. And so he's got to really kind of assume that role because he wants him to be better than Tony was. You know, I think that it's one of those things where just thinking back to it it's a real relationship if you are all of a sudden you know you're you've never had to deal with anything with raising a kid and you all of a sudden are now raising a teenager how do you deal you know mm-hmm. does that does that give any perspective to that mode is that yeah that it makes sense it was just again that was something that uh, i was very frustrated by it was it seems in superhero movies we always have a lack of communication with these people, and that that just drives me bonkers. Like again, you think after like the first time you go, oh man, if I would have told you this, we would have never fought each other. We would have just had an open conversation and dialogue. Mm-hmm. It's like our superpowers keep us from having common sense. <laughs> it's it's those storylines always drive me bananas, and I, I I understand like it's such an easy thing to write a story behind, but it, it just it drives me nuts. It it mm-hmm. really just yeah. Yeah, so. All right. Oh, one other quick note just on the uh, Tony Stark front. Did you guys know uh, this was just recently confirmed? Do you remember at the in Iron Man 2, the Stark like science fair thing that they had, or the Stark World Fair or whatever it was? Yep. Uh-huh. There's, a, there's like a kid in a mask that comes up to Tony Stark, and uh, like Tony like pays him like a little compliment. No, no. It, that, what happened was in Iron Man 2, one of the, the Sentinel robots... Um, was looking for Iron Man to kill him, and this kid had an Iron Man mask, and it, oh. was, it was identifying him as a threat. That's what it was. Okay, but that kid was Peter Parker. Nice. Mel probably has no clue. He's like, I don't know. Sounds cool. <laughs> was Hulk in that well, I, can, I can I remember the situation. Right. I just remember there was a kid <laughs> at a science fair. So yeah, that was that was good teamwork piecing that together. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I thought that was pretty cool. Um, that was pre the Avengers. That was was that after or just before? No, it was pre Avengers. Okay, yeah. So then, yeah, I, I couldn't tell you. <laughs> nice. <laughs> All right. So we've talked about the main characters, uh, you know, the portrayals. Let's talk about the story. Um, we've been talking for an hour and a half now. Let's talk about the story finally. <laughs> <laughs> well, we've uh, mentioned various story po- story points right, here. Right. So as a whole, though. Um, you know, we've, we've talked about the whole coming of age thing and the, the homecoming aspect of it was kind of nice, right? It, it had a double entendre meeting, you know, Spider-Man coming home to the MCU, uh, the homecoming dance and different things like that kind of plays into it. Nice. Um, Steve, what do you, what do you think of the story? Oh, it was a, it was a good story. It was like the perfect way to bring Spider-Man into the Marvel universe, Marvel cinematic universe. Um, and yeah, it was, it stayed true to itself. Um, they, they watched a lot of John Hughes movies. Um, I think, or they had the cast watch a lot of John Hughes movies for kind of reference. And, uh, you could pick up on little bits of it here and there. Um, yeah, I, uh, I, I applaud the story. It was, uh, very well done. Mo, what'd you think of the story? Um, for the teenage angst part, I wasn't a huge fan. Um, I didn't enjoy the friend not being able to keep his mouth shut. Like, if you've ever had a best friend, 
those situations don't often arise. Um, And so I kind of was upset with that. But as an overarching coming of age tale for a young Spider-Man character to get from the beginning scenes where he's begging for acceptance to the ending scene of him being able to say, hey, you know what? I want to be that friendly neighborhood Spider-Man. I want to keep developing. I know I'm not quite ready to be an Avenger yet. I want one, and that's my end goal. That's where I'm going to be. But I understand that for me to get there, I have to put in all the work to earn it. And for him to be able to tell him and Tony to have that conversation had me just floored. I was like, yes. That's what I want out of, uh, especially this young team, because I feel like it goes into what the Marvel comics have done with um, the Champions run with that has uh, Spider-Man, Young Cyclops, uh, Miss Marvel, uh, what's what's the daughter Vision's name? Vision, I think. What is and it? Nova. Yeah, and and Hulk, and they have this little team of young people who are kind of like there to help others, and I love the idea of this Spider-Man being that character, especially if we can get something with him and the Defenders on that kind of local crop of of protecting and growing and 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 serving your community i think that'd be great that it's not on that global scale um but yeah overall really good story i really enjoyed it from from start to finish i didn't love it but i was happy that i saw it and for me i i thought the story was great good good turns and twists good development along the way um little funny nods to marissa tomei's just being a, a knockout like aunt type <laughs> thing it's kind of funny and you know we mentioned it before kind of alluded to it when it was revealed that tombs was liz's dad right he went up there and he knocked on the door and the, the door opened and it was michael keaton standing there behind it the, you know that whole sequence well first off when that door opened and it was revealed my audience gasped it was a it was audible everybody was like oh wow wow like i think my theater had some gasps too yeah like audible and it's not something that i saw coming to quite be quite honest but then you think back to that opening scene is like you know he, he he's got his kid's picture of the the avengers you know the drawing of the avengers and it's like yeah that kid's got some talent i don't think they ever say she or anything like that but you know to kind of think back that, that was his kid and that was the same age as peter kind of they could have been in the same scenario uh, pretty pretty cool bit there. The you know the progression of everything. The when when Vulture pieces it together through that conversation that he is Spider Man was fantastic. Like you can just see it. Like he he's acting without even saying anything. Just the way he's looking. The way Keaton did a fantastic job. You guys just like the you see that rear mirror. Just look at him. The eyes and how mm-hmm. he's piecing everything together. And then at you know very end he's like, so I know who you are. You know you saved my daughter in D.C. So I'm gonna save your life right now. Get out, walk away. You know, that whole interplay there was a fantastic story beat. Um, you know the inclusion of Shocker, kind of Shocker version one and Shocker version two, <laughs> uh, was interesting. Uh, it was nice to have the other little character in there at the end. You get the the Vulture meeting or not meeting, but talking to Scorpion. Soon to be mm-hmm. Scorpion, um, and also you had the Tinkerer in there. He's a uh, yep. um, a villain, kind of a lesser known vil- villain, but also a, kind of a well-respected lesser known villain because uh, 
just insane um, inv- inventing skills. Mm-hmm. Um, I think Reed Richards has even consulted the uh, Tinkerer on occasion or two. Yeah. And uh, yeah, so it was cool to see him in the movie. Yeah, it was a good inclusion there. Obviously, a great cast of characters. And as far as everything else the story goes, that whole the, the trip to DC and that whole him trying to, you know, figure out a way to get in to save them, I thought that was a good scene as well. You know, and the whole thing going on in his head with Karen at that same time was like, now's your chance to kiss her or something like that. He's like, no. Uh, <laughs> it was, it was. All around, for me, really well done. I thought that the story was, you know, a good beat for a coming-of-age story, a, a kid in high school. It made sense. It was a very localized story um, because it was focusing on, you know, this neighborhood, these these people here. It's not a world-chasing story like, you know, it was a civil war that it went in Belarus and it went all these other places and it was all over the world. No, this was in New York. This was in Queens. This was all centralized to there so you can show him there obviously they went to dc for a little bit but that's it uh i thought it was really well done good storytelling and i don't think there was anything that was wasted the stan lee cameo obviously very very uh appropriate with this one he's a guy up in the window talking to people when <laughs> spider-man's trying to be a the friendly neighborhood spider-man he's like this is my car you know it's the, the, <laughs> and the, the car alarm goes off. going off mm-hmm. and yeah he's one of the mad neighbors that yep. was yeah that's per- perfect stan lee cameo uh-huh and uh, the lady across the the way was like, "Hey, whatever. How's how are you doing? I was like, good. How's your mother?" <laughs> <laughs> it, was, it was funny. Um, and then the inclusion of Donald Glover as the Prowler, aka what was his name? Miles was Morales' his name? dad or, or uncle? Like that? What's that? Oh, um, I thought you were talking about his name in the movie. Yeah, he, I think he in the in the. Uh, the ultimate universe uh, before it got merged into the main universe. Yeah. He, in that universe, he was Miles Morales's uncle. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And he mentions that he has a nephew here. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of a mention, a nod to Miles Morales being in this universe and possibly being included uh, later on down the road. Who knows? And I think I, we'll see him later on much, not right away, but I think we will see a Miles Morales yeah. down the road. I think he'll be, you know, maybe in Spider-Man 3 or something like that, that he might be a mention again or maybe actually have a person cast as him. Because he's obviously going to be That's my favorite Spider-Man. Miles Morales for life. (laughs) So, but I thought his character was pretty, like, it wasn't, it was an interesting character, and I thought his portrayal of that kind of street thug was actually pretty well done. Uh, Because usually, you know, you have that character who's kind of like over the top or whatever or just... You know, not very good, but Donald Glover's portrayal of that character was like, I liked it. He's like, man, no, you got to fix this. I got ice cream in the car, right? It's, <laughs> it's funny. So anyway, the story was great. Let's let's go ahead and talk about the music for a second. So the score overall fit really well to the movie. I've been listening to it outside of the movie just on my, I bought the soundtrack and have been listening to it since then. Uh, definitely invokes memories of the film as you go through and listen to it, but there's only that one or two tracks that really are fantastic to me out of the box. And paired with the movie, it sounds great. It sounds really good. There's also some licensed music that I think they put in, in good spots here, too. Uh, so yeah, it was good from, from that perspective for me for the music. 
Um, obviously, I mentioned the inclusion of the Spider-Man original theme, just orchestrated and done in there, made my hair stand on end, gave me goosebumps. I loved it, and I still like listen to that all the time on my on my iPhone right now because I click it up there and I'm like, I want to listen to this again. I want to listen to it again, <laughs> again. Yeah, it's so good. Any any thoughts on the music, gentlemen? It wasn't as memorable as Guardians of the Galaxy tops the tops it um, both Volume One and Two with their music, but it was it was solid. Uh, they're forming in a straight line. They're going through a tight wind. The kids are losing their minds. The Blitzkrieg Pop. Anytime you add that song to a soundtrack, I'm down. <laughs> That's a uh, the Ramones. People nice. didn't catch the Rushmans, the reference. It's the last song. Very the nice. Best song. Thanks. I, 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 like <laughs> I didn't. I didn't catch it. I'm more of a, a symphonic guy. You, you tell me about the other stuff. It's all right. <laughs> um, but yeah, the music was really good as far as the pairing with the movie goes. But yeah, like you said, not really super memorable except for the inclusion of that. You know what we already knew the nostalgic factor of course, probably. Yeah, the theme song that that of course memorable to anybody who knows who knows the song mm-hmm. so well, not memorable to you but everybody else memorable yeah and you know i think back to spider-man the original spider not the original but you know uh toby Raimi one yeah Raimi, and danny elfman doing the score there and you know he had that do 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 like the the theme in there was memorable, right? It's one that I can still think of today, and I hum it uh, every now and then because it, 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 it's a good cinematic theme. There just wasn't anything unique or, I don't know. That seems to be kind of a thing now. Like, you ha- there were, for a while, like, there hasn't really been a good movie theme in my mind in a while. I mean, you have all the, like, when I think of a, you know, classic movie theme, I think of all, or I think of the classic ones, you know, I think of Star Wars, I think Rocky, I think, you know, the Christopher Reeve Superman movies. But yeah, I it's been a while in my mind since there's been a, a, a really good movie theme. The Avengers has a pretty good theme, and, and it's sprinkled in through here. I don't know if you if you caught it or not, but... I'll have to rewatch it. It's been ages since I've seen Avengers. I'll have to check that out again and then be like, oh, yeah. Yeah. So, but music overall pretty good. Just not super memorable, but it fits with the movie. So that's what matters the most. Um, Humor, obviously, we talked about was I thought they did a good job with uh, a lot of the humor that they had in the film. Uh, Drama, also really well done. Um, any, Any other thoughts to talk about for this movie? I loved it. Definitely, lo- definitely loved it as well. To play devil's advocate for a brief moment, do you think it was too much of a coincidence that the the uh, the love interest's dad is the villain of the movie? I didn't think anything of it. I thought I, think, it, was, I, I thought it was a cool plot twist, honestly. Yeah, definitely a cool plot twist. I think I was. In, I, I think it was one of those things where. I was like sixty percent impressed by the um, by the plot twist, but I'll, but forty percent wondering, this is way too coincidental. What are the odds that your your arch nemesis's daughter is going to be uh, it, it daughter is going to be your your date to the homecoming dance? Is, is he really an arch nemesis, or would he just be a nemesis? <laughs> 
Um, well, in this stage of Spider-Man's career, he is his arch nemesis because he's okay. his only nemesis. Okay. So that makes him the <laughs> so arch nemesis. By default, he's the facto arch nemesis. Okay. Okay. So, well, I came in already knowing that the the girl, Zanaya, whatever her name is, was oh, going was- to be playing was going to be playing MJ. So yes. I never I never once thought that the Liz relationship was going to work out. That was a uh, that was an unexpected twist too. I just assumed that mm-hmm. uh, that would never even happen. Yet that almost did. So that was that yeah. was a nice unexpected twist there. Cuz yeah, I I never came in thinking anything. Oh, nope, it's going to be him and that one girl and he's going to be standing there from afar and it's going to be uh, I love that if they write this in the right way, this is a love interest that that kind of grows from more humor rather than nurture because I'm I'm not gonna tell you right now, I I almost fell out of the chair laughing when she held up the picture of him crying and being sad. Yeah. <laughs> I I literally like was like rolling. I was laughing so hard uh, because that's something that like my wife would do to me when before we were dating was she would mm-hmm. constantly just you know crack jokes at my expense because that's just who she is. And so when I saw that, I was like, oh my goodness, yes, that's awesome. Uh, so again, I'm I'm real excited to see where they go with that. Hmm. Speaking of where they go, who who of the rogues gallery do you want to see in the next standalone Spider-Man film, Steve? Oh, that's oh, that's that's slightly tough um, because I keep defaulting to Doctor Octopus, but I think they'll stay away from uh, Oc because he was you know in the Sam Raimi Spider-Man too, and I think it kind of does behoove them to use other villains. Um, but at the same time, I like, I love what they've, they've done with Dr. Octopus in the comics, uh, over the years. He, um, Octopus actually beat Spider-Man for a time. He, he took, he, uh, essentially killed Spider-Man by switching bodies with him as he was about to die. But he became, uh, Spider-Man because they share, they shared memories and enough of Peter, Peter's uh, memories rubbed off on Octopus that he, Octopus agreed to carry on his mantle, but he did it his way, where he was, would prove himself to be a better Spider-Man than Peter ever was. A superior Spider-Man. Exactly, yes. So if they could do the su- superior Spider-Man in the movies, I would love to see that. I have an answer. Oh, go for it, Mo. Carnage and the Kingpin from the Daredevil show. Aha! Uh-huh. I so- think... Kingpin could happen. Carnage is gonna is is officially in the Venom movie that um, I mentioned earlier. With Tom. I just I just love Carnage though. Like Carnage is one of my favorites, so I would I would love Carnage to be like a. I, I think if they did it right, Carnage could be like a a giant build up final boss battle, and Kingpin could just be like the the appetizer, the preamble to well, the Kingpin, actual I concert. Think, I think Kingpin is your your ultimate kind of final boss because he's the guy that's going to get everybody in line to fight spider-man right he's going to bring together like if they ever do a sinister six it's got to be with kingpin you know what i mean um well king is more of an organizer less of a i mean he can physically fight but right. he's more of a behind the scenes guy exactly that's that's the point i'm trying to make is that he's he's the guy that brings the team together not necessarily the guys that go fight Spider-Man, but if they do, if Spider-Man does come, yeah, he's he's able to, at least in the in the comic books and in the cartoon, hold up his own against him because he's what two percent body fat and the rest is just all muscle from him, and you can right, kind of exactly. tell from from Vincent D'Onofrio's portrayal of him that he's not superhumanly strong, but he is strong. So, 
I think it'll be interesting if if they ever get to that that point that you have like a Sinister Six and if Kingpin is the one that bring them all together. I'd love to see Daredevil come in, you know, at some point because I was like the the team ups were always something that I, I loved, uh, you know, growing up was seeing Daredevil come in to to do something for Spider Man because Spider Man was on trial or something and Daredevil represented him and. You know, Spider-Man teaming up with Iron Man in, in the in the comics and the TV show, and that's one thing about this movie that I loved was seeing Iron Man and Spider-Man on the same screen together. Was in in the roles that they had and everything. It just felt so good to me to have those two together in this movie, interacting as much as they did, and just that relationship that they built. I I really loved it, and that's. It's probably because I'm a little bit blinded by my love of Iron Man and of Spider-Man, but I loved this movie because of those characters. And it's funny because, you know, you look at Batman v Superman back, uh, you know, a few few little bit ago, and we've had the Avengers and everything like that. This is probably my favorite, like, on-screen team-up so far, aside from the Avengers, is is having Iron Man and that relationship that he's the mentor of Spider-Man with Spider-Man. I don't know. What do you guys think about that? Steve, I like that. Yeah, it was and it wasn't a team up, um, but yeah, men. It was the uh, definitely very cool to see. It, they they had great. They worked well together. From you know, like um, Tom Holland and Robert Downey Jr. had great ca- uh, chemistry, and it, per- it portrayed well to uh, Tony and uh, Peter having a great dynamic. So yeah, that was super cool. I think. My, I think I would love to see the contrast. You'd have to kind of wait until... Actually, no, it'd be cool to see it now. Um, but t- picking up on you talking about the team-ups, I would love to see Spider-Man um, interact with the Netflix um, characters because they they portray a, a gritty underworld. They're, they're, they're neighborhood defenders, too, but it's it's kind of a kind of a darker world and just to see those two juxt- those two um worlds collide that that would be phenomenal in my mind mm-hmm. mo uh i enjoyed it it was it was a it was a fine team up i i felt like if they would have added uh iron man more it would have ruined it so i i exactly. do enjoy what i love that he wasn't in the suit the first time um that that had me like i was smiling pretty big i was like are you driving Yes, <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, and um, so, but as far as like team ups, I'd want to see. Uh, again, Spider, I, I prefer the Spider Woman, um, Spider Gwen characters more than I, I like uh, actual Spider Man. And so, if I could get just something out of those characters in the next movie with a team up on that front, then I would be really jacked. But again, it was a good team up. All right, so before we give our final thoughts, I would like to give some attention to some folks over on Twitter that gave us some thoughts for the episode. And again, you can tweet us at EntertainingPod. Uh, we'd love to, to hear your thoughts as well on the film. So, Elliot at Sly Almond says, I like that they didn't overdo Iron Man. He made about three total appearances. And I think that echoes what you guys said as well, and that you know, he wasn't overused, but he was definitely a presence, right? Mm-hmm. Paul Calicote at P-C-A-L-L-I-C-O-8-4 says so many things. 
Happy holding the engagement ring since 2008. <laughs> Aunt May, uh, <laughs> Aunt May F-bombed kind of at the end that she doesn't actually say <laughs> it, but it's kind of like, what the? Yeah. Uh, did not see the twist with the girl's dad being who he is. And Karen, let's see. And Karen, so I guess you like that. Uh, Caps PSA, Iron Spider, which, by the way, I uh, loved that reveal of that outfit. And when, when they revealed that Iron Spider suit, uh, it was like a, an applause erupted in the auditorium. So I, I, I loved it. <laughs> I want that suit so bad because it just <laughs> looks so good. Uh, where is Harry? That's a good point. Where is Harry? He's like his, his best bud, right? Yeah, I think what they I think Harry was intentionally not used to distance themselves from the Raimi and the um, Amazing Spider-Man movies. Mm-hmm. Because yeah, I think if, if you sniff a Osborne, then that means a, a goblin's not too far away. And the goblin has been well overdone. Yeah, it's been in both iterations, the Amazing Spider-Man mm-hmm. and the Raimi's. So, yeah. Um, let's see. Ned, guy in a chair, instant kill mode. It, speaking of instant kill mode, that was pretty funny little bit, right? With with the suit. He's like, would you like to have enhanced combat on? And his, like, his <laughs> eyes go red and his, like, instant kill mode. He's like, whoa, 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 yeah. no, no. <laughs> he kept and He kept having to turn it off. That was great. Uh-huh. And then he's got, like, 200 and some combinations of the web shooters. <laughs> uh, new Sinister Six plot possible. And, again, he says, loved Karen. So he likes Karen. Um, and he has another tweet. The Parker home video syncing the timeline was cool. And the Marvel credits came on when it played the Spider-Man theme. Yeah, we've talked about that too. But yes, uh, Paul, I loved loved that theme playing as well. And yeah, that timeline, it was a good way to tie it all together. It was a good way to bring in the personality of Peter Parker as well as kind of that uh, the the video log instead of you know him being a photographer, and I thought that that was a good, fantastic way to pull it all together. Let's see what else we got in here. Um, we got people that haven't seen it yet, so obviously I think there's going to be people that do their do their uh, homework, so to speak, and hopefully will give us some thoughts after it has been viewed on their end. But yeah, great great movie. Speaking of. Uh, people haven't seen it yet. Um, the estimate of the studio for this film was $80 million over the weekend. And they will surpass that because Friday was $50 million. Oh. <laughs> Friday alone. Uh, so I think that makes the estimate for this whole weekend between 120 and $125 million, And that would be the second highest opening for a Spider-Man movie, which I believe... I think Spider-Man Three held for for a good several years. Spider-Man Three held the uh, like was the the highest grossing uh, opening weekend movie. Um, I, th- I think it eventually got passed by. It got passed more than a few times. Hmm. Is it still Avatar that holds that record? The overall. Yeah. Overall. Oh, wait, no, I'm thinking of. Oh, I was thinking of opening weekend. Um, uh, um, I forget. Yeah, at one point it did have the Spider-Man Three had the uh, record for most op- most uh, opening weekend, but it got it it got passed a long while ago. I lost track of what has it now. Yeah, I can tell Probably you. Probably Force tell Awakens. You in a few minutes, but Force Awakens may not have it. I think it was maybe a Marvel movie, but it's. Uh, uh, let me see here. So it's a it's a good 
opening with the uh, Cinema Score A and being certified fresh over on Metacritic, or not Metacritic, Rotten Tomatoes. Uh, let me actually look at the Rotten Tomatoes score for it so far. I'm see guessing if, high. I am too. See if you guys agree. The current, current uh, critic rating is 93%, and the audience score was 92%. That sounds about right to me. So definitely lends to that A. Mo, Mo, how would you give this? What what would you give this out of a hundred? Uh, I'd be in the eighties somewhere. Eighties. What about yeah. you, Steve? Uh, probably like a ninety. Yeah, I think I'm on a ninety-five. About a ninety-five for me, but it, it's a a great movie. Definitely want to see it again. I think it's worth uh, checking out because it's just it's. It's Spider-Man with the Marvel Cinematic Universe. It's it's fantastic. Um, all right. Let's go... Ooh, actually, I got the weekend record if you want it. The opening weekend record is Star Wars The Force Awakens at 247. That must be domestic. And then if you look for an opening weekend worldwide, it is Fate of the Furious with 541 million. And then oh, wow. Foreign is also Fate of the Furious with $443 million. So, wow. there you go. And oh, biggest opening for July was Harry Potter and the Deathly Hallows at $169 million. So this will not surpass that. Uh, and the Avengers holds the opening for May, just for those who are curious. Yeah, yeah I was curious. So thank you. Mm-hmm. Um. So, final thoughts. Let's go to you first, Mr. Mo. Uh, great movie to go to with friends. Um, you're going to leave having some really good conversations. Uh, my wife, after one enrollment, has, has gone through about four graphic novels, uh, just kind of diving into Wonder Woman. Uh, and then I gave her my issue one of the reboot of Spider-Woman, where she's pregnant. And she currently has read all, I think I have 30 issues of that, and she's just engulfed those. And so this will lead to more comics being bought, but the best part is it's going to lead to conversations with comic lovers and new people to comics that I really enjoy. So if you're one of the, the loyal listeners who loves comic books, feel free to share the information. But again, make sure you share it from a place of love, not of you having information they don't have. Uh, that's the one thing that my wife uh, has a like, huge disdain for when we'll be at the comic book shop and somebody will be like, well, actually, and this, 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 and this. And it, it just kind of ruins it for them. Uh, so please make sure you're, you're you're sharing that information in a way that's not like, oh, well, my opinion's right and yours is wrong. Let them discover this stuff for themselves and kind of learn and, and branch that out. So, Well said, sir. Yes, beautifully said, Mo. Steve, any final thoughts for this film? Um, yeah, just uh, it, it don't. Oh, here's my main thoughts. Um, I have a friend who um, refuses. To, she says she'll see it eventually, but she has no plans to see it anytime soon because she's worn out from Spider-Man. Um, because she said there's been three in her lifetime. And that's way too many. I think we joke that she said. She can't even with Spider-Man. <laughs> and um, don't um, just leave all your previous Spider-Man movies um, at home and just come see this one and have a great time. Well said. 
And for me, I thoroughly enjoyed this movie. I don't know where I would rank it in my MCU movies, but it's definitely in the upper upper quarter for sure. Um, and as far as the Spider-Man movies I've seen, this is very high. Uh, it it it's in the top three for sure. I'd have to go back and kind of re-examine a few of them, but um, I thought it was fantastic. I, I loved the the plot points. You know the the surprises, the reveals, the twists, the the humanization of the characters were really well done. Um, the vulture, <laughs> I'll say it again, surprisingly great villain. I I didn't expect much from him, uh, but I was happy that he didn't a die, that he could come back because he was interesting enough that I was like, oh man, don't kill him off. And that little stinger with him at the end, meeting meeting. Uh, scorpion he was I, I don't know why he wouldn't reveal that he knows who peter parker is maybe he's just holding that for later on but uh i think I, it's also because of his daughter too it could be see i thought it was more because of the fact that he's not out like he was never out to kill spider-man like he he, he said it that one time because he was mad about the business part but when he found out spider-man saved his daughter he was like we're good don't come near my business. And then even when all that was going down in the fight, he was more worried about getting away with some salvage than he was about defeat. He, he could have ended Spider-Man and saw an opening to go get those, uh, the circle things. What are they actually called? The arc reactors. Yeah. It, he, he, his, he could have chosen the path of kill Spider-Man or get away with the loot. And he chose the money for his family over the vengeance part. And so that to me just showed, like, again, I don't think he's going to be our typical bad guy. I think he's going to be that middle-of-the-road dude who, hey, yeah, I have no problem helping you, Mr. Stark. Hey, I have no problem helping you, Kingpin. I'm not getting my hands dirty. I'm just here to go make some money. Mm-hmm. What do you need from me? Like, again, I really love that character, too. Yeah. I thought that his his wingsuit and everything was pretty cool. I thought it was pretty well done. It didn't seem too unrealistic. And I like the— cool to it. What's that? He had a cool look because, yeah, in the comics, the if they would have just straight adapted the vulture from the comics into this movie, he would look a little silly because he'd be, you know, he's in a bird suit flying around. But, yeah, this they had a really cool look to it. Mm-hmm. He the had mask. The I like the mask that he wore, too. Yeah, the mask and the, the kind of like the bomber jacket that he was wearing, too, the pilot mm-hmm. jacket makes sense. Very, very, I thought they they did a good job with the villain, this for sure. Um, but, yeah, overall, I thoroughly enjoyed this movie like i said i've probably sitting about a 95 percent for me i think it's um a great movie surprising like how much i enjoyed it because i was super excited going in so i had everything to lose so to speak with this movie and i came out just loving it um again seeing spider-man and and iron man on the same screen having that that mentor relationship it does a lot for me, and it kind of clouds my judgment a little bit because I love both of those characters so much, and I thought the interaction was fantastic. I thought that, you know, you look at this movie, and it, it could have easily had a lot more Iron Man from the studio perspective because they want to cash in on the Iron Man, you know, him being in it. But as was mentioned, he wasn't in it very much. This was very much Spider-Man's movie. This was not Iron Man's movie. And I thought that because of that, it was a very strong film and a great debut film for spider-man and i can't wait to see where he comes in next i'm not sure if he's going to be in the infinity wars part one but i i I definitely think that he'll be in part two or he'll factor in somehow later on if he's not in there 
Oh, yeah, he'll be in. I think, yeah, I, that sounds plausible to me. He might not be in one, but he'll be in two. I think, I think everybody's going to be in two. Yeah, everybody that doesn't die in one, probably. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, so great movie. I highly recommend it. Go see it if you can and enjoy it. I, you know, it's, it's been a great year for superhero movies. Uh, cause you had Guardians of the Galaxy 2, which was good. I think I like this better for sure than Guardians of the Galaxy 2. And you had Wonder Woman that came out, which was also really great. I liked it for different reasons. And soon we're going to have Justice League on the screen this year. Um, and we had, I think, was it Logan this year? Early this year? Logan, yep. Logan kicked off the year superhero movie-wise. So a lot of, a lot of great comic book movies have come out this year and are going to come out and Don't everything has been Ragnarok. yes that's right Thor November Ragnarok. 3rd yes. <laughs> we'll, we'll be discussing that one for sure so Thor will come out I'm hoping that it, the, the last movies of this year continue this trend of awesomeness because everything has been over 80-85% on cinema scores and everything so they've all been good movies uh, I hope that the trend continues because this has been a really strong year for for all kinds of movies, you guys. All kinds of movies. And we got a Star Wars later this year, too. Let's not forget that. There's good Star Wars stuff with this one, right? Because they had the, the whole uh, building the Death Star with the Legos, and uh, they had Ferris Bueller's Day Off factor in there. I thought it was really well done. Uh, but yeah, this, this movie, you guys, I thoroughly enjoyed it. I loved it. I recommend it. I want to see it again. Uh, I I came close to just going and <laughs> buying another ticket that night to go watch it again, but I don't think my wife would have appreciated that. <laughs> she was uh, writing with me. If I would have been alone, I would have done it for sure. But I loved this movie. Absolutely, I loved the the costume, the outfit, everything. Um, I <laughs> Tom Holland as Peter Parker with the little quips and stuff. You know, I know we got that with Andrew Garfield, but this one I thought was really good because. You know, I keep going back to that scene with him and, and the thugs trying to rob the ATM. He's, like, trying to figure out, how do I stand? What do I say to get their attention? And, you know, he's just... The quips that he, he goes off with it, um, oh, it was really well done. Friendly Neighborhood Spider-Man, you guys. Go see him. Fantastic film. All right. So, Mo, where can people find you? Good, sir. Uh, you can find me on Twitter, uh, at Coach Hulk. Or on PSVG, I uh, do a little writing there and play games every once in a while. Or if you ever want to play with some some games on Xbox, you can find me at the Coach Hulk. Thanks to Nate and his awesome suggestion skills. Oh my, <laughs> Steve, how about you? Uh, my Twitter and my Instagram are at Steve Waldinger. That's S T E V E W A L D I N G E R. Um, my, my comic prov that I mentioned earlier, that's also Instagram and Twitter at comic prov, C O M I C P R O V. I also want to, um, mention a, uh, a, since these guys, uh, do so many podcasts, I want to mention uh, the other one I do. I host, uh, I co-host a podcast with my friend, Chris called the episode one podcast where we talk about uh, the premiere episodes. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think we do. <laughs> I am the, on that show, I am the hugest episode one Phantom Menace fan there is. Um, but we end up talking about the first episodes of TV shows. Um, and you can find us on Twitter at, uh, at episode one pod. 
Uh, we're on iTunes. Um, give us a listen. We've talked about, uh, we have a special, he's a comic, my friend Chris is a comic book fan too, so we've talked about more than a few comic book-related uh, TV shows. Um, our most recent episode that's going to come up here maybe next week or so is uh, Preacher, episode one. So, uh, yeah, give us a listen, rate us, uh, subscribe. Uh, if you have any comments, please leave them. We'd love to hear them. Now, do you think this is true that usually the first episode of a TV show is the weakest? It um, From doing the show... There's been some that have just hit it right out of the park, right from the get-go, and then there's been some where the first episode has been the weakest. Yeah, that's one of those. Yeah, some, some some shows take a, a while to like you know build the world and you know get to know the characters, and once they do, then they're phenomenal. Other shows just click everything clicks right off the right off the bat. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't know. Like, there's some TV shows that I see the first the pilot episode, and it's just like, oh, this does not look good. But then you go a couple episodes more, and it's like, oh, okay, this is actually finding its groove now. So there you go. Because I, I think they, they approach the writing and the acting just a little bit differently for those pilots than they do for the actual, okay, we got picked up for syndication. Now we can actually make an arc and kind of settle in with these characters a little more. But mm-hmm. anyway. Uh, for me, you can find me on... That's entertaining. The show you're listening to right now. Woohoo! Um, mm-hmm. Also on other other podcasts around the internet, like play the PSVG podcast, and I've gone on other ones too. So you can follow me on Twitter to find out where I'm at, which is at Voiced by Nathan, and you can follow the show at Entertaining Pod. So we'd love to hear your thoughts on not just Spider-Man: Homecoming, but anything movie-related. Uh, theater related your gripes about your local theater what you want your local theater to do because we always like to talk about the theater going experience here too so give us uh give us some comments out there we'd love to interact with you guys and and see what you're thinking what entertains you (laughs) so without further ado uh steve thank you again for joining good sir Oh, always a pleasure. Great to be on. Thank you again so much for having me. Great to have you. And Mo, thank you for being awesome, incredible, and joining us. <laughs> Anytime. Love it, man. And dear listener, thank you for spending the past couple hours with us. And I hope that you've enjoyed the conversation. But more importantly, dear listener, I hope that you have been entertained.